Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Wednesday, everybody here on the Southside Beat. My name is Chris Halleck, and uh, kicking off the show uh, solo right now, Corey Christen will be joining me soon. Uh, he is working on the Southside right now, uh, collecting information, talking to players. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know we're going to have a lot to talk about today. So come in, come on in, join, join the conversation, uh, leave your comments, ask some questions. Uh, we'll get them up here on the screen. We'll talk. We'll chat. Corey, we'll get here. We'll talk more about it. But I have a really good thing I want to kick off on. Um, yeah. I, I, so today was Coordinator Wednesday. You know, everything's moved up a day. Normally, coordinators talk on Thursdays. They talked today, uh, which means Eddie Faulkner talked today. And uh, all right. I'm gonna have to pull up the quote just so that I I I'm not taking anything out of context here. I'm not I'm not you know saying or you know not re- recalling anything incorrectly or anything. Oh, okay. On the fourth and two play, Eddie Faulkner said this about the fourth and two play, which obviously had the uh, you know. It was the go ball to to Deontay against cover one man. And I quote, you know, you call plays. And if you look at that play, there were underneath routes and concepts in the concept, really not in concept, but in the concept, you call plays and the coverage dictates where the ball goes. And that's where, uh, where we expected it all the time. Mike Tomlin says it all the time. We don't live in our fears on the calls. It's really just that simple. Unquote. This right here is an, an example of what I'm talking about when it comes to poor coaching. Now, that is not a dig at Eddie Faulkner. I know it sounds like one, but this is a systemic problem. And whether it is just because this is the offense the Steelers have, because, you know, this was Matt Canada's offense, you can't really change much after he's fired midseason. There are a lot of issues I have with the Steelers offense in general, and, and the players are not exempt from this. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. But by the way, if you hear my dog drinking water in the background, he is the loudest drinker on planet Earth. So it's very, very possible that you can hear him on the mic. Um, he just he's eating his lunch right now, and it's just hilarious because I'm hearing it like I like I have like, you know, 
headphone. Normally, Corey's talking to my ear, and I don't hear much else, but it's just funny. Anyway. Yeah, Barber. Uh, all 22 didn't lie. Yeah, the all 22 didn't lie. Listen, cover one, man across the board. Yeah, that is that is a, a favorable. I will put the word favorable time to take a shot. You also have to understand situational football. You need two yards or you give the ball to the other team. That's one issue. So that's why the call, the play call in and, in and of itself is bad. Got to take toys away or he's going to be squeaking the entire, the entire show. Um, <laughs> dude, calm down, boy. My dog making another appearance on the show. Um, that, that's one, that's one issue right there. Um, yeah. Lyle says we don't live in our fears, no popcorn, but so here, here's the issue with the popcorn. The popcorn is that that's a way of them saying it's not just one issue. There's not just one fixable, like catch all issue to fix all of the issues on offense. There's not. And if there was, it'd be, it would be easy to fix. There are issues all over the place. And that's one of the reasons why this offense is so bad. That play call is bad. You give your, you, you give yourself where you are going into the play thinking that if you get the coverage that you want, your best option for converting fourth and two is on a deep ball. That's a bad play call. It's a low percentage throw, even against a favorable coverage. It just is because if you miss the throw, I mean, the, the, the window for missing is, is much, much smaller. You know, if you miss on a five yard slant, you have a little bit more room for error because it's a much shorter throw. If you throw the ball deep, your margin for error there pretty much is none. You've got to put it right where the receiver can get it. And if it's not there, it's not going to be caught. It's a low percentage throw, even against a good, even against a favorable coverage. So it was already a bad play call. Then he wants to talk about the underneath routes and the concepts. Listen, if you know that they're there, which obviously it's part of the play call, you know that they're there. You're the interim offensive coordinator. You know, they're there. Whenever Ion Robinson moves over in motion, and you can see that the guy who's with him is not only following him, which is telling you that it's man coverage, especially since there's also press on the outside, but he's lining up five yards off the line of scrimmage and you need two. That's your go-to. Coach that. Coach your quarterbacks to look for that stuff. That's another big part of it. Um, you know, somebody somebody else said we'll get to the Tomlin stuff here in a little bit too. Uh, it, it is being talked about at nauseum. So, uh, you know, Matt says the quarterback decision making isn't very good. No, it's not. That that's another issue. The quarterbacks are not making good decisions. But again, part of me wonders: is that also coaching? I don't think it's completely on the quarterbacks. I don't think it's also completely on on the coaching. I think there is shared blame there. But whenever I see Kenny Pickett reading Hank from outside in to instead of inside out, which is pretty much where it's coached everywhere. Now, granted, just for clarity, I don't like the Hank concept, especially out of a static formation. It's old football. It's not good in 2024 or 2023. It's not good. I'm already trying to get to next year. (laughs) Uh, But when he's reading an outside in or he's reading the flat first, that's not the way Hank is coached almost anywhere else. That that to me is like to me is that is is it being coached that way or is Kenny making that decision? You know what I'm saying? Like it, it it's got to make you wonder. 
Um, that's just an example. You know, I, I could go on and on with details, but I, you know, we, we have a short amount of time. And plus, you know, once Corey gets here, we have some actual news and business to talk about. So this is just kind of commentary to talk about. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just so many issues and Matt, Matt, don't get me wrong. It's there with Trubisky. This is not just a, a Kenny issue. I was using that, using the, 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 that way Kenny reads the Hank concept as, as an example. This is, this is, uh, um, that that's bad. I honestly don't, I don't remember the Steelers running Hank against the Titans or I guess the Titans. Jeez. I'm, I'm all over the place against, uh, the Patriots last Thursday. I do not remember them running Hank. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just saying I don't recall it. Um, there's another part of this that, 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 you know, when it comes to coaching, uh, that I, you know, Earlier, I said, you know, like last week, I said that this this offense has to have a complete overhaul. And speaking of Corey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome. Am I heard okay? Do I sound okay? You're good, man. Okay, good. You're good. Hello. Hello. What's up, Corey? Stuff on outside today, man. I don't know what you've been talking about. We've been talking about popcorn. Well, I got something a little better than popcorn. Yeah, we, we, about, I think. yeah, I, I know Najee talked, and I, I, I have a feeling that's what you're going to lead off with. But uh, yeah, just to kind of wrap up this whole popcorn talk, pretty much been talking about that that quote from Eddie Faulkner on the fourth and two. Um, dude, you got to stop with the squeaky toys. Uh, <laughs> my dog is making appearance after appearance on the show. Um, yeah, like okay. no, this is. Um, yeah, decent res Corey today. Doing pretty good. Yeah, okay I think we that. figured it out that 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 Corey's hot spot is better than the Steelers uh internet on the south side. But uh no game on their part. Yeah, we uh Jim Jim remembers my dog's name, Fergus. Good job, yeah. Jim. Thank you, buddy. There you go, Jim. Uh, yeah, where hey, oh, Jim. <laughs> no, but um no, so you know, talk about that quote on the fourth and two play and how I'm talking about that that's indicative of all of the issues that they have um on offense that it's not just the players it's not just the coaching i do want to get to the players here in a second because um uh <laughs> um merrill hodge said had some had some choice words for uh the steelers receivers and tight ends that oh, i just yeah, i saw it 10 minutes before going live and i'm going to add that to our feed after this show is over um yeah. he had some choice words for our receivers and tight ends here in, in, in pittsburgh um yeah it was bad. Anyway, Corey, take it away. Najee Harris <laughs> dropping some more truth, maybe. Oh, wow. Well, James, first off, no, the Steelers did not trade Mike Tomlin. So don't <laughs> uh, don't get that started. Najee Harris was asked about Ben Roethlisberger's comments. Um, to paraphrase what Ben said, that the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is Ooh. done. Ooh, and well, first off, if you want an actual newsworthy note, uh, Najee said he's going to play Saturday. So. All right. There's that. So there's the newsworthiness of what Najee had to say. But Najee talked about what Ben had to say in like 
at first he didn't really know what was talked about, but he was made aware of the comment about the tradition being over with and done with. And it's in the feed on DKPittsburghSports.com in full. I'm going there now. To go to the back half of it, um, you know, Ben knows what the standard is, somebody that's credible. And then Najee goes on to say, I got here in his last year, so I can't really say I know what the Steeler way is. Because he, meaning Ben, has been here with Troy Polamalu. He's been here with Jerome Bettis. And then Najee finishes off with, he knows that really. So if someone outside sees that and has built in this building, you can kind of guess and say maybe he's right. (laughs) That's strong from Najee. Very strong from Najee. And again, he's right on two accounts. Number one, he was only here for one year under Ben. Mm -hmm. So if he doesn't know what the Steeler way is from that standpoint, like he didn't cross over with Pouncey or cross over with Heinz Ward or cross yeah. over with any of those guys or Bettis or any of those guys. Yeah. So Ben in that effect has to be the one to pass it on to guys like Najee before he retires. He can't pass it on to Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett wasn't here with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. So like Mason Rudolph was here with Ben Roethlisberger, but he's not the guy that's called onto the field every Sunday to make plays. Yeah. So with that said, like that last sentence from me from Najee just screams to me, quote, he knows that really. So if someone out, if somebody outside sees that and he's been in this building, you can kind of guess and say maybe he's right. That is strong from Najee coming from a player's perspective. And we've talked the last couple of weeks, the last several weeks about leadership and Who's really the one taking the reins? And when and, and when I go back to what Mitch Trubisky said yesterday when he was asked about who's the guy that's rallying the troops, so to speak, and the three names he put out there were Mason Cole, Najee, and Allen Robinson. I mean, right there, Allen Robinson's the guy that's been here for 13 games. Yeah, Mason Cole's been here for two seasons. And Najee, again, he just said it. And, and I direct quote, I got here in his last year, so I can't really say that I know what the Steeler way is. Yeah, That's what the offense is down to when it comes to those guys. So that really, I think, is something strong in terms of the culture, in terms of, again, the way, pun intended, that things are done. I found that really fascinating from Najee today. Uh, Matt Matt brings up a pretty good point here that I, I do kind of want to – and this isn't going to pile on Deontay. It's just going to spit some truth on, on the situation. The offensive weapons are so young that they really don't know what Sewers football is in reality. Hold on a second. Um, Deontay should know, but he, but Deontay should know, but he isn't a leader. No, he's not. Like Deontay is not a leader. Like he is. Like he is the leader in the receiver room, but he's doing it, even though that's not his. That's not his calling card. That's not who he is. Najee is a leader, right? He's a natural born leader. He he embraces that role, mm-hmm. and the locker room embraces him. Yes, uh, yes, way, and and and, th- and that's how you know somebody's a natural born leader. When somebody can come in and become a captain year two, that's somebody who who commands respect, not just with the way he works, but with the way he talks. That's not Deontay. Now that doesn't mean that it's a, a slight on Deontay. It just means that's not how he is. Not everybody's a leader. You don't need everybody to be a leader because then if you have a bunch of leaders yelling at each other saying "Follow me" or "No, no, follow me, follow me," you know, you you need guys who are followers. Deontay is more of a follower. He admitted to me when he's talking about, you know, trying to become a leader or, you know, he's like that. That's 
I'm a soft-spoken guy. That's just, it's not easy. It doesn't come naturally for me. That And that's and that's fine. That's not, you know, that's not giving him any kind of pass or pardon or anything like that. But when Ben was, you know, his last couple years, you know, if Ben wasn't trying to foster the Steeler way to the younger players, then shame on him. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, if he was, or if he was trying to, and I mean, he even talked about when he was talking about the music in the locker room, he, he even said, you know, near the end, you know, he's like, I'm in the minority here. If you guys want to do it, then you want to do it fine or whatever. This is why I don't like it. You know, and, and, you know, if that's j- using just one example, then it, he could have been trying to foster it and pass it along. But if nobody's listening, then it doesn't really matter, you know, and, and how much can Ben do with a guy like Pat Fryermuth or with a guy like Najee Harris in one year, you know, how much, you know, obviously Jerome Bettis had a huge impact on Ben in two seasons now, granted, they also went 15 and one in one of those seasons and then won the Super Bowl in the second. And had the best defense in football for however many years it was. Yeah. So, no, there's obvious, you know, they were way more tightened up and buttoned up, you know, and, and successful on the field. So, that obviously, you know, winning cures a lot of things, you know. Uh, so, it's a lot easier to, to handle those situations like that. But seriously, in, in reality, how much can Ben do? with you know one year with Najee or Pat and those are two guys he specifically mentioned in guys in terms of guys who possibly could pass on the Steeler way. Um I know Ben really likes Pat. I'm Ben's liked his tight ends for pretty much <laughs> pretty yeah, much his entire ever. career. I mean Heath Miller, Heath Miller and then, yeah yeah obviously Pat Fryermuth but um yeah it's just it that that's really interesting to hear to hear Najee say because if there is nobody who can really foster that, then who do you turn to? The only other person you really can is Mike Tomlin. Well, no, you don't turn. You don't turn to anybody. Do you know what you do? You create your own new way is what you do. You create your own way based on what the leaders have previously experienced. Now, again, when you ask about the offensive leaders, again, the answer from Mitch Trubisky was Allen Robinson, Mason Cole, and Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. Again, what can Allen Robinson draw from being here for 13 games? Really nothing much. Yeah. And he's trying to pick up on the Steeler way, so to speak, from those guys that are already here. So the Mason Cole and the Najee Harris. Yeah. Najee was here with Ben. Mason wasn't. Mm-hmm. So what do you default to? Do you default to the running back who is in his third year and had to pick up from the Super Bowl quarterback when he was in the middle of trying to figure out what the NFL is and how to run in the NFL and how to be a professional. That's what they have. And look, yeah, some could say Deontay Johnson, Anthony McFarland, any of those guys that were here during that time, but those numbers are running thin now. Just look at the roster. You don't Mm -hmm. have to look far. Just look at the roster. A lot of turnover on the opposite side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, look at the guys that were here with Ben and post-Ben. Pre-PB yeah. and PB, if you want. Pre-Ben and post-Ben. Like, the numbers that are post-Ben are way greater than the numbers pre-Ben. Yeah. So those mentalities from his offenses are just not going to be here. They're thinned out. Now you have a younger core mm-hmm. with Kenny Pickett in his second year, Najee in his third, Pickens in his second, Deontay in his fifth. Like, 
you have a younger core to go around. And then you mm-hmm. bring in veterans like a Mason Cole and an Isaac Sayamalo and a James Daniels, guys up front that have won and done well in other places to kind of mesh with that. I thought it was important when the Steelers signed Sayamalo and Nate Herbig in the offseason because yeah. they were in Philadelphia. They were in a winning culture. And when those two signed, that was a huge point of emphasis was that they picked up two guys that had been to and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So like when you don't have that kind of experience, you have to go find it and you have to go create your own Steeler way and create your own way, period. Yeah. And yeah, if Ben is saying the Steeler way is done, that's because the Steeler way that he grew up with and the Steeler way that he experienced is going away. And he's right. Because yeah. it is because it is. those players are not here anymore. Yeah. And there's a way, you know, and, and when Ben was talking for anybody who watched the podcast or who hasn't watched the podcast, I should say, go watch it. It, it was, it was really good. At least just that one part. And it's split up in the chapter so you can find it easily. Uh, one thing that he was talking about, or at least his co-host talked about was that the early 2000 Steelers, you know, did a pretty decent job of, you know, doing everything that they could to emulate the 70 Steelers, but had to do, had to find a way to modernize it. Right. The game is not the same as it was in the seventies. The game had evolved quite a bit. You know, it was, even though it still wasn't, you know, it wasn't anywhere near like a passing league, like it is now, you know, teams were still throwing the ball a little bit more. Defenses were way more exotic. Offenses were way more complicated. Um, There's a way you have to modernize it, not just on the field, but even kind of off the field and how the game had, had changed on a global level. Um, and they found a way to do it. And so how, how do you do it now? You know, I think that that's a, that's a question that needs to be, needs to be, needs to be asked, you know, how, how do you do that now? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation to find because, you know, somebody brought it up, you know, Jeff Saturday said that, that players dictate the culture. They, they really do. The head coach mm-hmm. can have an impact for sure. I mean, I, I, I am a firm believer that, that the, that the captain of the ship, whether it's the head coach and a football team, the manager on a baseball team, whoever it is helps kind of guide that culture a bit and, and can help, you know, with it, with how it's shaped, which is exactly Mark says here. Do you think Ben's assessment is a shot at Tomlin? I don't yeah. think it is. I think that's more about the players that are here. I think yeah. that's more about the adaptation from within the locker room and not from, so yeah. to speak, the offices mm-hmm. in that way. Now, Barbara says, but Corey bringing outsiders that have their culture woven into ours changes the overall question. That's the best nice. one. Original, original Coke is the best one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> here, Barbara, again, Barbara says, bringing the outsiders that have their culture woven into ours, meaning the Steelers, Mm-hmm. changes the overall question. No, I think it just changes the answer. You can build a new culture by bringing in players that have won elsewhere and they can adapt. I mean, why do you think Andy Weidel was hired? Yeah. Why do you think Omar Khan was promoted? Why mm-hmm. do you think the front office trickle-down effect is what it is? Yeah. And now, when you have players that were not here in Ben's tenure, they have to find a way to create their own. This is from the locker room. This isn't from... Art Rooney down. This is locker room down. This is player-led stuff, which is why I keep driving home what Mitch said the other day about Mason Cole, Allen Robinson, and Najee Harris being the leaders of the offense. That's what this is all about. 
Um, yeah. I, I, again, I, I mean, I know the popcorn talk was the title of the show, but wow. Oh, I mean, no, no, this is I mean, up for Najee today. I, I think that's an absolutely noteworthy discussion to have. No, it, it definitely is. And, and honestly, this really does all kind of like intertwine together. It really does because the issues that we see on the field, which are a lot of issues on, that we see on the field. The, I mean, the culture in the locker room really kind of dictates everything that happens on that football field, whether it be on the practice field or whether it be what happens in a stadium or what happens in the meeting rooms. Like if that culture is broken, if that culture is, 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 is um, unhealthy, then you're not going to have good results. You're just not, you don't have players who, who might buy in the way that they want that the way that, that, the Steelers teams used to. And so here's the other thing when it comes to the Steelers and how it's a different organization than, than any, almost any other in football. I'm not saying no other organ, no, no other teams do this because they obviously do, but how often do the alumni players come back for a visit? Just come back and hang around for a little bit. It's quite a bit. Just last mm-hmm. year, just last year, I saw Mel Blunt four times, three, Several three times, times at least. Mel Blunt's around a lot, you know, and then you have, I mean, obviously they do the alumni thing, uh, you know, once per year and you get, you know, players from seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, you get players from, I mean, everybody from, from mean Joe green all the way to Cordell Stewart and Jason Gilden and, you know, other guys who played in the two thousands who necessarily weren't on Super Bowl winning teams, but just overall guys who understood and, and have a, have a place in Steelers history. And it's not just the, the marquee guys who get the golden jackets and who get, you know, like who are, you know, placed on this pedestal, but even all of these other guys who played throughout the years, who understand what it's been like to be a Steeler and all of those guys, when they're around, you know, if, if you're a Steelers player, pick their brains, man, ask questions, you know, they're there. It's not like they're not there. It's not like you don't know how to ask those questions. They are there. It's, the moment you see Mel Blunt walking around, like, man, I'd be I'd 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 be talking to him until I annoyed the crap out of him. I mean, that's Mel Blunt. He changed the game for cornerbacks. Like literally changed the game for cornerbacks. Ask questions, you know. Um, dude still looks like he can play, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he still oh, yeah, looks he like does. he can play. Um, um, but, all right, so two points yeah. here from Monongahela Mike. Mike says, the NFL has killed the Steelers' way, and then later on he goes on to say, define the Steelers' way. I think the Steelers' way is best defined by exactly what Ben Roethlisberger experienced and then that cutoff point that we're talking about. I think the Steelers' way is the adaptation of we're going to play amazing defense and then run the hell out of the football and pound you into the ground until that's on the that's on the field and then off the field it's a culture of leadership it's a culture of buy-in it's a culture to an extent of I selflessness think that's more of it i i think outs even outside of like okay the tradition of like the steelers being a hard-nosed defensive team blue collar all that like yes like that's been the steelers over time but i can look at the steelers in the middle of the last decade of you know 2014 15 16 17 18 like i can look at those teams and think that those were pittsburgh steelers teams they weren't great on defense they weren't if they were they would have won a super bowl or at least gone to one they weren't great on defense they were 
phenomenal on offense, and they did most of that stuff on offense through the air. That's not your typical Pittsburgh Steelers team, but I think that's why it goes more into that culture you're talking about. And and I used two words yesterday that I think kind of helped define it, excellence and accountability. That accountability factor of, not being afraid to take dude, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, to the side on the, while you're on the sideline, grab him by the face mask, pull him in close, and be like, "What the f are you doing out there? Get your head in the game, do you know? Get you know, get your get your crap together, you yeah. know. Like it, sometimes that it doesn't all accountability doesn't always have to be that, but I mean, I don't see that very often. You know, it's guys who just kind of have these conversations and and. I don't know. And then obviously excellence is the other part of it. The Steelers strive for a Super Bowl every single year. They they never go into a season saying, we're going to tank. We're going to look for the future. I'm like, no, every year is about winning that seventh Lombardi. And then whenever they win that one, the next year will be about winning that eighth Lombardi. It's always going to be about getting the next Lombardi, uh, you know, on, on Southwater Street. That's what it's always going to be about. And so yeah. I, I'd say those two words, because it is more about what happens in the locker room, in the, in the meetings, what happens off the field and what happens on the field. Ryan says the reality is players born in the two thousands have a higher sense of entitlement. Well, they're Ryan, going into I'm a not, whole new situation. Well, 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 well I'm just going to do this real quick. Okay. I'm not going to say like Brian, stop being get off my lawn guy. I'm not going to do that, but I'll just, I'll just say, think to back when you were 23 22, 21 years old. Chris can think, I could think, anybody here could sit here and think back to when they were that age. You were not a totally mature person at that age. Nobody was. You know why? Because you were 21, 22, and 23 years old. Hmm? I can't believe I got married at 23. Like I, I look at back at how, how I was as a person at 23 years old, and I'm like, I'm surprised I got a, okay. a, a woman to agree to marry mm-hmm. me. All right, Brian says, Brian says he was born in 98. So, okay, that's this is good then like, yes, they might have a sense of entitlement, but also they're still 20, 21, 22 and 23 years old. Like they're not like the fully mature, full grown men. They're still kids to an extent. Like some of these guys that were drafted could barely have a beer and and go out and have a beer and do all that kind of stuff. Like this is just a different, I guess, fabric if you want to, um, that this offense is, it's a very young offense. It's a very immature. And I mean that not in the sense of pouty, I mean, immature in a sense of still have a lot of time and space to grow into kind of offense. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what they are. Like they are what they are. And look, if the Steeler way that was known by Ben and Heinz Ward and Jerome Bettis and all those guys doesn't resonate with them, yeah. That's because it's the same Steeler way that was adapted before they were in diapers, a.k.a. pre-2000. You know, so like y- you have to line up the times here to an extent, I think. I don't think we need we need to go too much into Ben Roethlisberger's past to see how immature he used to be, too. That, I, mean, I, that. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we need to say. The, the dude had his issues off the field in the earlier stages of his career. I mean, whenever he was winning Super Bowls, he was still at probably his most, most immature level. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely affected his, his personal life. And it even affected the Steelers on the field, you know, cause he got suspended four games for, for stuff. Um, so it's not just the motorcycle. I mean, this is not just motorcycle stuff. This was obviously the, the, the big, the big scandal with him. 
big picture um, stuff. Yeah. Yes. The, the, this was the, I mean, talk about like scandals and stuff like that. Like he was a very, very immature person. That's way bigger than anything. George Pickens is doing pouting on the field or anything. Deontay is doing celebrating a touchdown while getting absolutely trounced by a two and 10 team. You know, that that's minor stuff compared to the stuff that the Steelers had to deal with with Ben Roethlisberger. The, the difference there is the entire Steelers culture around Ben was all about accountability. And Ben knew that he let his entire team down by doing all that kind of stuff. And I think obviously when it got bad enough and I'm not going to try to sit here and rewrite history because I'm not. But we saw a drastic change in Ben after the after the 2010 season when he got suspended for four games. We saw a, a change in Ben, not just of like who he was off the field. Obviously, you know, you see him, you know, he got, he got married, he got settled down, he started having kids, you know, and now he's, you know, part of the whole McWasp family. He's like the the, the you know epitome of it. Um, but. Yeah, it's there. The entire culture around that team back then, it was a little bit easier, even for your star quarterback, to fall off the rails with personal issues because that entire team was was buttoned up. Whether it was Bill Cower at the helm or whether it was Mike Tomlin at the helm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I and the thing is, is that this team is not prepared for that kind of stuff right now, and and. That that is a serious issue, and so you gotta kind of wonder. Okay, how do you do this? Do you try to establish it? Do you need to do a hard reset? Do you need to move on from Mike Tomlin? Like these are all questions. I'm not saying you need to do all of these things. I'm saying these are questions that need to be asked for sure. And once this season is over, once this season is over, Art Rooney the second has to do has to have some big time decisions to make because this is this is a turning point for this organization. All right, great conversation today. I have to get out. I have to get running. Real quick, uh, news note, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt are still in the concussion protocol. Um, that is as of right now. Now they practice in a limited capacity on Tuesday. No injury report yet for Wednesday, so that will dictate what they are. Um, but they still are in the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. It's important to note, Najee Harris with a knee injury and Atlanta Roberts with a groin injury both told me t- today that they're going to play Saturday. So there's the noteworthy stuff. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow again on Thursday to – Get those inactives rolling. We'll see who's uh, yeah. who's in, who's out. Hopefully, by the time we're on the show, and um, obviously tomorrow's another open locker room, so we will, you know, get a little more clarity. Hopefully, on on TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. But for now, we're gonna get out of here. DK and Ramon coming up in about twenty five minutes or so, right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. Uh, please remember to like, share, subscribe. That all goes a very long way. And remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and on Spotify. So for Chris Halleck, my name is Corey Christen. This has been the Southside Beat. Have a good day, everybody. Cheers.